Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanaka's Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco and Franco. Kokomo Friday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Want to give everybody a special shout out. If you are watching us live right now on YouTube, it is past midnight. It is officially Friday, April 30th, and the first round of the NFL draft is over, which means it's time to talk about baseball. No one else wants to talk about football. What's going on, Scott? Man, I was just appreciating that <laughs> that rendition of Kokomo. I know we hear it every Friday, but it's so good. Like it's the thing is like the the actual song is not that good, but this ver- version of it, it not even having to do with the lyrics. He just elevates the sound so much Doc Kratzer did the few years ago, a few years back when he wrote that. And uh, it never gets old. It never gets old. I don't know how he did it, but it, it it's a work of genius. Yeah, I mean, the best jingles, right, for commercials or whatever it might be, uh, certain businesses, they just have this lasting effect. And Kokomo Friday really does capture that. Some people tell us to play it more, which we're never going to do. It's a Friday thing, which I think is what makes it well, special. It used to be every episode that we played it. Oh, but, my you gosh. Know, <laughs> then we had to go all corporate and... Fantasy baseball today with Frank and Scott and Adam, even though he's never on. That's true, yeah. right? We do still give him the <laughs> shout out, even though he's never here. Today on the show, there is no shortage of interesting starting pitchers to talk about. So they're they're just all going to take up our oh my goodness gracious segment. Basically, we have some prospect updates, a week six preview for you, uh, and some April standouts and more. But let's jump right into Thursday's action. Oh my good. Gracious. All right, Scott, pick whichever one of the awesome starting pitchers which we had on Thursday that you want to talk about. I will pick the one who I think is probably the least rostered. He was making his first major league start, not his major league debut. Actually, was it technically his major league debut? He did he debut in the playoffs last year? I've delayed it long enough. The name I'm going with is Shane McClanahan. Yeah, I guess this technically counts as his major league debut, even though he debuted in the postseason last year because I, I learned earlier that's how it worked with with Alex Kirilov. So anyway, Shane McClanahan looked uh, overpowering, I think would be an understatement to describe his first major league start um, today against the athletics of all teams, one of the hottest teams in baseball. Four innings, 
two earned runs, struck out five, walked none. Okay, that that all is fine and good. Fifteen swinging strikes on fifty nine pitches, and over twenty five percent swinging strike rate, uh, which you, you, you never see. Um, I mean, I guess occasional start you'll see it, but you know that that's basically what maybe DeGrom can do and nobody else in the league can even come close to, you know, uh, over the course of several starts. And, you know, we haven't seen several starts from McClanahan, so maybe it would regress, but I mean, the stuff, just the, the pure stuff. Uh, I, I saw Jeff Passan saying that if McClanahan keeps this up, he's basically going to be the hardest throwing left-handed starting pitcher ever. He, reached 100.5 on his fastball uh, and he threw 41% sliders. It's not like it's not like he only had the fastball. It was 41% sliders, 41% fastball. I mean, that's y- you'd like to see more of a third pitch at some point, but that kind of pitch mix should lead to a lot of whiffs. So, it's the Rays who handle their pitching in the most unconventional ma- manner and are not very forthright about their plans and are extra cautious with their pitching assets, how they deploy them. So the usage is going to be a real concern here. I'm not even confident. They're, are, are they keeping him in the rotation? Did you see anything about that, Frank? Or they're, so, they're being secretive about it, right? So I saw this little tidbit from before the game earlier on Thursday. Manager Kevin Cash said they plan to use McClanahan as a starter as opposed to an opener to join a pitching staff impacted by injury and will give him the opportunity to grow into that role. To me, that kind of sounds like they're going to let him start and yeah. remain in the rotation, at least for now. I think as, as long as he's performing. And based on what we saw on Thursday, I don't think there's any reason to think he won't perform well. Yeah, I, I think that's what it sounds like. That last little clause at the end kind of brought it all the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I question the usage. Somebody asked me if I'd drop Michael Kopech for McClanahan, and, and I would not, even though there are usage questions about Kopech too. I just, over the long haul, I trust Tony LaRusa to handle him in a more conventional manner. And I just think he's more talented. I mean, McClanahan looks great, but Kopech is Kopech, so... Not a bad person to have on your bench, though, McClanahan, because it it does look like the potential is very, very high. And what makes the swinging strikes in the start even more impressive, coming into Thursday, the Oakland A's had the sixth best swinging strike rate in baseball. So for him to get 15 on 59 pitches, it just makes it even that much more impressive for Shane McClanahan. Scott, I'll just ask you him versus a few of the most added starting pitchers in fantasy baseball right now. According to CBS, would you rather have McClanahan or Alex Wood, who looks like he's back? He does look like he's back, and I can't I can't quit Alex Wood just like Chris couldn't quit Byron Buxton. I don't think that's going to turn out as well for me as it has for Chris, but that's my guy I can't quit on. And... um Got to go with Wood for those usage concerns. I, I imagine I'm going to pick the other pitcher in most of these instances because that usage issue is such a big deal for McClanahan, but just really impressed by the talent he showed today. How about McClanahan versus Kyle Gibson? Gibson now has five straight quality starts, six innings of one-run ball against the Boston Red Sox on Thursday. McClanahan versus Gibson. Yeah, I think you got to go you got to go Gibson unless you're talking like a dynasty scenario and McClanahan's already probably rostered in a dynasty scenario. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson is 59% rostered on CBS, but I think he's... This new cutter that he's throwing has really elevated his game, and he has a deep repertoire. He, he threw six different pitches Kyle Gibson did on Thursday at least seven times in that start against yep. Boston. One of the, yep. I would say, best lineups, at least in the American League, maybe all of baseball. So Kyle Gibson, uh, he's giving you some length as well. Going deep into starts definitely helps you in points leagues. But Shane McClanahan, for sure, if you have a dead roster spot, get him on your team just to see what comes of it. If you have him in a dynasty or keeper league, you should be jumping for joy because... He is a very exciting player. Oh my goodness gracious for me, I'm going to go with, look, there's no shortage of starting pitchers. So I'm sorry to Yusei Kikuchi and Dylan Cease. We're going to get to these guys. But I want to talk about Adbert Alzali, who actually had his longest start of his career, the first time he has completed six innings. And he did it at the Atlanta Braves, which is no small feat. Six innings of two-run ball with six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches for Alzali. Through his slider, wait for it, 54% of the time in this start, that was 44% on the slider usage entering this one. And I started thinking about it, you know, can he can he have long-term success throwing his slider that much? And I don't know the answer to that. But then I thought, it reminds me a little bit of Denelson Lamette from last year, who used his slider over 50% of the time. So... He's not as electric as Lamette. He doesn't throw as hard. His slider might not even be as good, but can he be to Nelson Lamette light, at least in the short term for this season? I think the answer is yes. I really like Alzali. We spoke about him a little bit heading into the season, Scott, as a sleeper slash breakout-ish type starting pitcher. He's only 21% rostered. Um, how about Alzali versus Shane McClanahan in a redraft league? I think I got to go Alzali, who I'm pretty excited about. And yeah, I was excited about him as far back as the offseason because... I think throwing your best pitch is is always a good move. So I definitely approve of what he's doing with the slider. The amazing thing for Alzali is that he didn't have the slider two years ago. You know, he was he was a halfway decent prospect before he even developed his best pitch. And it's clearly his best pitch. And it, it should make him a pretty good bat misser. Uh, really, it, it comes down again to usage and... Um, I just, I just have a hard time believing McClanahan will at any point this season be used like a conventional starter. I'm not saying he'll never make a six-inning start, but I think there will be a lot of four-inning starts. I think there will be a lot of stretches where he's removed from the rotation, and uh, it's, it's just going to be hard to get real impact out of that, which is disappointing after you know all the good things I said about him and how good he looked today, but I, I just think that's the reality of the situation. I, I get where you're saying that, Scott, with the Tampa Bay Rays, but I'm actually a little bit more optimistic. The fact that they let him throw, I thought it was going to be maybe two innings, three innings max. They let him go four. They let him throw 59 pitches. And if the plan is to build him up, I would imagine next start, he has the opportunity to throw 60 to 70 pitches. Maybe he gets all the way up to 70. And if they're trying to stretch him out, maybe the next start after that, he throws more than 70 pitches. So... I'm actually a little bit more optimistic, but I understand it's hard to trust anything the Tampa Bay Rays do. McClanahan is awesome, but I agree with you. I would take Alzali over him in a redraft league. Nowhere in, you know, not in dynasty or keeper leagues, anything like that. Let's talk no, about Not a- that I think Alzali is a bad keeper, but yeah, I think oh, yeah. McClanahan's upside wins out in those longer term formats. Let's talk about a few of these other starting pitchers. Scott, Dylan Cease, he just completed a seven inning 
complete game shutout because it was a second the second leg of a doubleheader. So they only well, it's throw not a complete game shutout. <laughs> it's kind of you know it's a, a modified complete game shutout. We'll go with. Did he go the whole game? Where, where's Chris when you need him? Did he go the whole game? Was that how many innings were scheduled? <laughs> yeah, I think technically he did. Right. Um, he, well, yes, he did. Dylan Dylan Cease finishes with nine strikeouts to zero walks. Zero walks, the key, obviously. And they've just been a huge issue for Cease. I think it was six walks per nine entering this start for him. 16 swinging strikes on 91 pitches, eight on the slider in particular. But it comes with the caveat, not that I want to take anything away from him. He was going up against the Detroit Tigers. So, all right, let's keep that in mind. Does this give you any more confidence in, in buying back uh, in on Dylan C. Scott? His roster rate is 53% on CBS. Well, it's bad news for Michael Kopech because this seemed like his easiest in and, and Cease has bought himself more chances probably with the start this good. The number that stood out to me though, uh, remember what we talked about for Chris Paddock, the spin rate on Dylan Cease's four-seamer was up 139 RPM from his season average in this start. And everything was suddenly more effective, including the fastball. And and that was actually something I read this spring, what, why it kind of started to get a little hyped for Cease toward the end of spring training is because uh, just as they said they were doing with, uh, with Carlos Rodon, uh, their new pitching coach, on the name now, White Sox pitching coach, Anyway, I forgot it as well. I'll look it up for you. Yeah, uh, they were doing similar things with both of them, uh, incorporating the lower body more, make the delivery more repeatable. And one of the things it was supposed to do is put more spin on the fastball, make the fastball more effective in that way. And we didn't see that play out in Cease's first few starts. So I just figured, okay, well, I guess so much for that. But Seeing it happen in this start makes me wonder if it's starting to uh, to take effect here. I mean, in terms of like just raw stuff, Cease is, is really good. You know, it just doesn't seem like he knows how to get the most out of it. So uh, he's been pretty useless in fantasy so far. I'm not as interested in picking Cease up as I am uh, like Alzali or even McClanahan because of all the failure on his resume. But... Uh, there, there's there's reason to think with this start that there's still a chance he he makes something of himself and of this season. Ethan Katz is the pitching coach that you were looking for there, Scott. Uh, so I agree with you. I, I would rank Cease behind McClanahan, Alzali in terms of waiver wire ads. I would even rank him behind Kyle Gibson. Is that going too far, Scott? Oh, no, no. I had Gibson ahead of McClanahan, remember. Okay, and let's just figure out where you say Kikuchi fits into all this because he was at the Houston Astros on Thursday. Seven shutout with seven strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. Mentioned what Shane McClanahan did against the Oakland A's and how impressive it was. Houston entered this game with the best swinging strike rate in baseball, 8.6%. And yeah. for Kikuchi go, to go out there and get 17 swinging strikes, it's very impressive. And also, he's gone six-plus innings in four of five starts. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. So uh, 48% rostered is Kikuchi. Where does he fit into this whole waiver wire glob of starting pitchers? I guess I'm going to say number one. I was... Really? Wow. Well, 
there's a lot of reason to think Kikuchi is, <laughs> is, is good. I mean, look at his expected ERA last year. Look at his XFIP last year. Two starts ago, we were all feeling great about him. He began the year with back-to-back uh, quality starts and 16 strikeouts in 12 innings. And then two bad starts where <laughs> he had a combined four strikeouts in 11 and two-thirds innings and was walking a bunch of guys. And the swinging strike rate has not been very good either this year or last. But then he had you know, 17 against a team that doesn't swing him as much. I don't know. He, he's he's getting to be kind of a headache, to be honest. You say, see, say Kikuchi, I could just see him being someone who I'm in and out on all season long. Right. But right now, I feel like I got to say I'm in, you know? Yeah. It, for me, it's the overall numbers coming in were, were bad for Kikuchi, and then the underlying numbers were not really much better in terms of expected ERA on StatCast and XFIP and, and skill interactive ERA. Yeah, I'm talking ERA. about last year, how good they looked. Yeah, even though his they, were, they were great last year, bad. but yep. so far this year for Kikuchi, they, they haven't been great. So I, I do think he's going to be inconsistent. I think he's capable of giving you these starts every now and then, but I would rank him behind, personally, McClanahan, Alzali, Gibson, uh, probably just ahead of Dylan Cease but it's just really because of that inconsistency more than anything else. So, yeah, I mean, look, no shortage of starting pitchers from today. And uh, you heard Scott's order. That's my order on him. Uh, <laughs> I think Chris would agree with me for what it's worth. Yeah, he probably Chris would. I'm getting a lot of stuff right this year. So. I know he loved Kikuchi. Uh, le- honorable mention to Waskar. You know, I didn't talk about him on yesterday's podcast, so I completely flubbed that one up. But uh, five and one-third shutout with nine strikeouts against the Cubs on... Wednesday night that was so he's seventy percent rostered. You know he's probably available in some ten team leagues, twelve teamers, anything deeper than that. I think Eno is probably already rostered. He's been great. I, I don't know if there's anything you want to add on him, Scott, since you weren't on yesterday's podcast. But no, I think he's must roster. I'm, I'm I'm skeptical he can keep it up. Two pitch pitcher, really, uh, kind of doing a McClanahan thing where the slider he throws just as much, if not more than his fastball. And I think that's been what's allowed him to succeed in spite of two pitches. Also the fact that he can crank it up to 98, but he didn't come with much of a pedigree. Minor league numbers don't look great. I'm skeptical, but he's, it's been too good for too long for you to leave him out there and look like an idiot when it does work out, you know? Yeah. Last name I wanted to mention, he's not available in any leagues, but we just got to talk about it. Carlos Rodon, six innings of one-run ball, 12 strikeouts against the Tigers. They're obviously very prone to swinging and missing. 23 swinging strikes for Rodon, and he has a 0.72 ERA on the season, 0.64 whip. The problem, which we've mentioned before, he hasn't thrown more than 160 innings since 2016. So I just wonder if, is he going to be on an innings limit at some point. I would I would have to imagine yes, but Tony LaRusso is just letting him go out there and, and throw as many pitches as he possibly can. So, uh, Scott, anything to add on Carlos Rodon, Scott? Or, or are you, would you be looking to sell high on him based on that track record that he has of injury and not being this great, obviously? Yeah, actually, I think it was a week ago today, I wrote about um, 12 streaking starting pitchers and whether or not you should sell high on him. I had six that I said, yes, sell high. Six I said, no. Carlos Rodon was one of the yeses, and it was exactly for that reason. I, I buy into the improvement. I think I don't I don't want to, to trade him. I, I want to enjoy him in my lineup because I think it's going to go well. But 
Um, this is his first full year back from Tommy John surgery and teams understandably handle pitchers carefully uh, when they're having, when they're taking on that big workload again for the first time. And, and Rodon's case, you know, coming off a down year where he hardly had any innings anyway, that I think that would be more so. And, and the fact that they're letting him throw 110 plus pitches. I, yeah. I, I could, I could see him running into a wall at some point. And, um, and, and yeah, you're not having him available for a while. So again, in Carlos Rodon's case, as much as anyone else, when I say sell high, I'm stressing the high, he should deliver a haul for you for the kind of start he's off to. And if he doesn't, then just enjoy the ride, but it, it's worth dangling him to see because he's obviously generated as many headlines as any pitcher in the early going and probably has, a lot of uh, a lot of trade helium right now as a result. I'll give you a few names and you just tell me yes or no. Would you trade Rodon for this player straight up? And I realize starting pitcher for starting pitcher trades are harder to pull off. So I'll give you a few outfielders as well. Work in some hitters here. But first name, would you trade Rodon straight up for Charlie Morton if you could, Scott? I'd want more. How about Kenta Maeda? I... I, I, again, I'd want more. Like I feel like if you're gonna trade Rodon, go for the kill. And these are not these are not go for the kill type moves to me. Luis Castillo. Nope. Someone emailed in today and said they traded away Carlos Rodon for Lance Lynn and that they felt terrible about it after seeing this start. And I said, and it was a points league. I said, no, you should feel very good about getting Lance Lynn in a points league for Carlos Rodon. Yeah. So yeah, that's I a, think... that's a little bit higher end. But if you can mm-hmm. pull that off, that's that's something you should look for. Yes, I agree. All right, just quickly you, ask. You were just below the line with those three names for me. I just think I have enough. You know, I, I give it at least a two-thirds chance in both Castillo and Maeda's chance. Both the case of Castillo and Maeda, at least a two-thirds chance that they bounce back and are fine. But there's enough concern there that that doesn't seem like a good enough sell high based on what Rodon's doing now. A few outfielders. Would you trade Rodon for Marcelo Zuna? I'm reluctant to trade any quality pitcher for a hitter. <laughs> um, it would it, it would be a needs based thing, but I'd lean no. How about Kyle Tucker? Uh, same answer. Okay, so I'm not even going to ask you about Austin Meadows because he's ranked even lower than those guys. But uh, look, and, and, and uh, yeah, in both cases, I think I'm talking about a, only a categories league too. I don't think I'd consider it in a points league for either one of them. It's Kentucky Derby Week, and Sportsline has you covered. Don't lay a wager before visiting Sportsline.com for the best racing analysis from legendary handicappers. Hammering Hank Goldberg has the inside scoop from Bob Baffert. Jody Demling has nailed nine Oaks Derby doubles. Horse racing guru Gene Menez will be on the Early Edge podcast, dishing out his picks and getting you up to speed on how to bet the first leg of the Triple Crown. Sportsline has you covered for everything related to Saturday's run for the Roses. Some news and notes from Thursday. Corbin Burns was placed on the aisle for unspecified reasons, which sounds like a COVID situation. Uh, If he himself tested positive, he'll likely be out at least 10 days. It could last as long as two weeks. I hope he's all right. So it's always weird for me to kind of talk about benefiting from a situation like this, because obviously, you know, my concern is that he's safe first and foremost. But I think this isn't the worst thing for his fantasy value, because 
I think this means we could have Corbin Burns at full strength later into the season now if we were worried about an innings situation. So I'll just mention that. Well, yeah. When I first saw the news before I saw COVID speculation, I, I assumed it was a phantom IL stint, actually. I assumed it was st- a strategic move. So <laughs> it might. Probably not, but <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a, a bunch of people go on for these unspecified reasons, and it turns out to be COVID. Matthew Boyd left Thursday start against the White Sox with left knee tendonitis. Max Freed impressed during his live BP session. He could be back early next week. Marco Gonzalez was placed on the aisle with a mild forearm strain. Yordan Alvarez is undergoing tests on Thursday. By the time you're listening to this, he underwent those tests and could return to the team for Friday. Nate Pearson was reinstated from the 10-day injured list and optioned to the alternate training site. He will travel with the Blue Jays' AAA team to Trenton, which I didn't really want to hear because I just traded Julio Arias for Nate Pearson in Scott White's Dynasty League. So I want to see Nate Pearson, but they probably want to build him up and, and, and get him back on track before they bring him back to the Major League team. Both Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain participated in a simulated game on Thursday. Luis Robert was reinstated from the COVID IL. Javier Baez was back in the lineup Thursday after missing two days with a hamstring issue. Mike Fires will return to the A's rotation for at least one start on Friday. Matt Olson was out of the lineup due to an eye injury. Mitch Hanniger was not in the lineup for a second straight day due to either an illness or fatigue. I couldn't find just one answer, so we'll go with both. Luke Voigt was taking live at-bats on Thursday. His timeline remains mid-May. Aaron Judge was out for a second straight day with lower body soreness. Chris Devensky was activated off the restricted list for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's jump into the Week 6 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Lining Kugels. And before we get to Scott's two-star pitchers that he likes for next week, just want to Let everyone know, how is the schedule shaking out for this upcoming week? 12 teams have seven games, 16 teams have six games, and only two teams have five games next week. That includes the Chicago White Sox and the Cincinnati Reds. So, Scott, I'll throw it your way. Some two-start pitchers that you are looking at that are rostered in, what are we going with this time? Under 75% of leagues? Does that sound kosher? Uh, I've moved it up to 80. Okay. Well, it turns out they're all rostered in less than 75 anyway. So. All righty. <laughs> uh, so a few notes from the top, just about two-star pitchers in general. It's really messy right now. Uh, the messiest it's been so far this season in terms of who lines up to pitch when. There are pretty much every week I, I put together a, uh, a little table like this, the, the whole week's worth of pitching matchups for every team. And there are TBAs in there. I'm able to figure out who the TBA is probably going to be, in, be, and I fill in the name. There are so many TBAs that I just had to leave TBAs. So, uh, yeah, the, the teams are having to go deeper into their their uh, their pitching reserve this week. And uh, it makes it less predictable. Another thing I wanted to point out is that this week, provided nothing changes and things often change, is shaping up to be the rare week when Shohei Otani lines up for two starts, being part of a six-man rotation. It's not going to happen often. So uh, you might want to take advantage of that. Obviously, he's well-rostered already. Okay, so who might you actually be able to pick up? 
He was in line for two starts. Jake Junis, my boy, I said his roster rate should double after that last start. It has not. It's gone up only 5%. Still available in 65% of leagues. It's gone up five percentage points, I should say. Some people get nitpicky about that. Anyway, um, Kansas City and Cleveland are his matchups. I'm sorry, he's not Kansas City. Cleveland and the White Sox are his matchups. One of those is good, obviously. And he's been good. Kyle Gibson, who had another good start today. He gets the Twins and the Mariners. Uh, Domingo Herman, he was supposed to make two starts last week. Then they inserted Davey Garcia, and they moved Corey Kluber up a day, so Herman did not make two starts. He's in line for two starts this week. Matchups aren't as good Houston and Washington, but he's, he's earned a little more leeway based on the way his last start went. Some really deep guys, as in rostered in less than 50% of leagues, Nick Pavetta, Detroit and Baltimore are his matchups, and he's coming off his best start of the year. Now, I, I saw somebody make a joke on Twitter. Who was it? It was uh, Jeff Zimmerman. Jeff Zimmerman, I think it was, made the joke that uh, Nick Pavetta is shaping up to be this week's Austin Gomber or Joe Ross who were, I guess, <laughs> highly talked about two-star pitchers the last two weeks who imploded. And um, I, could see, I don't have a lot of confidence in Pavetta, but I have more confidence in him than I did in those two, especially with those matchups. So Pavetta, Jay Happ, I have very little confidence in Jay Happ. I, th- this is one of those, I'm forced to give you more names, so this is a name I'm going to give you kind of picks. And uh, Jay Happ's going against the Rangers and the Tigers, coming off two seven-inning starts. Maybe he keeps it going. I don't see a lot I like in the underlying stats, but hey, the matchups are good. All right. I just wanted to touch on the few of the names that you mentioned there. Uh, Jake Junis, actually, in my home keeper league, my... Dad actually outbid me for Jake Junis, which is hilarious. <laughs> so thanks, Dad. Uh, $5 bid in a 12-team points league, so where Jake Junis was available. Um, so he won him there. And Nick Pavetta, I will just point out, he has a 5.96 walk per nine right now. So he is walking quite a few people, but I do like those matchups. I mentioned that on yesterday's podcast as well. Scott, a few single-start pitchers that you were looking at for next week who have nice matchups. So... Incidentally, you say Kikuchi set to go against the Orioles. And I think you need to run him out of get there again. Brady Singer, who's been on a good run, he gets the, the Indians this week. Those are my favorites. If you want me to give you a couple more, one I will give you is Alex Wood. And it's very dangerous because it's at Colorado. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I see myself doing it, and I want to reach out and stop myself recommending a pitcher who is available on waivers in nearly half of all leagues at Colorado. But Colorado hasn't played like Colorado so far. Maybe that'll change with the, the weather warming up. And he's just, you know, he's flirted with a no-hitter his past two starts. So it wouldn't be me starting Alex Wood, but you want a recommendation, there it is. And one in that same vein, I would say Madison Bumgarner against the Marlins if you're feeling lucky. The Marlins are what I consider the one of the best matchups in baseball, maybe the best, without Stalling Marte in their lineup. Though, Jesus Aguilar, the guy is red hot right now. Scott, let's, speaking of Aguilar, uh, not, I don't know if he's one of your sleeper hitters, but he is a hitter. So yeah. give us some of your sleeper hitters heading into next week. Yeah, that's actually the first name I was going to mention, Aguilar. Nice. 
Uh, Marlins didn't play on Thursday, right? So that he's still at five home runs in his last six games. I imagine that would be reason enough to keep him in your lineup. But if you needed another reason, good matchups against the Diamondbacks and, and the Brewers. Three more and, revenge uh, games against the Brewers, Scott. Yeah, basically the only good pitcher he's facing during the week is Zach Gallen. So if you were on the fence about Aguilar in a shallower league, that might be enough to put you over. CJ Crone's been hot, and he gets three games back at Coors Field this week. I don't know. It'll be a matchup of Crone versus Wood, I guess, and we'll see who wins. Uh, Luis Arise, I've been waiting for this week, waiting for the week when the Twins play. They have nothing but right-handed pitchers on the schedule, and him being a left-handed hitter, the splits are like you'd expect them to be. He bats leadoff, typically on the days they're facing right-handers. So it's shaping up to be a good week for for Luis Arise, provided you can live without him hitting home runs. I like J.D. Davis's matchups this week. Austin Riley, as, as hot as he is, I think the matchups are good enough to stick with him. And I think those are the only ones I'm going to highlight here. There'll be a few more in the column, of course. Oh, I didn't mention this for Arise. The Twins have the best hitter matchups too on top of everything else. So looking good for him. I don't know. Maybe he rolled the dice on Mitch Garver after that two homer game, considering the twins have the best matchups. I Depends think who you have a catcher instead. I think Alex Kirloff is probably rostered in a good amount of leagues by now, but you should have confidence to start him against uh, all and all righty week as well. So it, it actually hasn't changed that much. 65% rostered is Kirloff. That, Numbers should be higher, at least I think. Scott, you mentioned the Twins are one of the teams with the best hitter matchups. Give us the rest of those teams and then the ones that have the worst hitter matchups as well. So the Twins have the best, like I said, then the Rangers, Athletics, Mets, and Mariners. The worst hitter matchups are the Reds, or one of the teams with five games, the Royals, the Phillies, the White Sox, and the Cubs. Already, so there you have it. The week six pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels. And by the time you are listening to this on Friday, I'm going to be out on the wiffle ball field with Cy Young finalist Chris Towers. That's right, he's already confirmed he's coming out to play. We got the day planned out. You know, we're drinking right after the game ends. That's right, in ice cold Line and Kugels summer shandy. It's this awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade that fits perfectly when relaxing after a baseball game. You want to drink it while watching a baseball game. It goes very handy as well there. And the Summer Shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, and it's only 99 calories. And if you're into IPAs, Line and Kugels offers their Lemon Haze IPA, which is a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you're craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com. Or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hit the email of the day, talk about a few prospects. We'll do that next on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The email of the day comes from David, and he says, I was lucky enough to get Wander Franco and Jared Kelnick in my league, but I have no idea what to do with them now. How much longer should I hold on to them? Also, what other interesting prospect do you see coming up soon? So the updates that we do have, Wander Franco is starting in triple A for the Tampa Bay Rays. Someone asked me a timeline on Twitter. Look, it's all speculation. It's all guesswork. I'm thinking mid to late May for Wander Franco. So that's what I'll put out there. I did see this update from Jared Kelnick. It was back on April 23rd. So there hasn't been anything since then. I was searching Twitter furiously earlier earlier in the day. Uh, they said Kelnick will, quote, play in the big leagues in the not too distant future according to general manager Jerry DePoto, but the team's current outfield depth depth chart doesn't presently offer the 21-year-old an opportunity for promotion. So that's Wander Franco and Jared Kelnick. I did also see on Thursday that the Blue Jays announced Alec Manoa will start in AAA, Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans will start in AA. Speaking of Alec Manoa, there's an article on CBSSports.com right now some of Scott's biggest dynasty risers and fallers in fantasy baseball. And the prospect risers, Alec Manoa is one of them. So, Scott, if, if you'd like to tell the good people why he's rising up, now is the well, time. Obvious, obviously, there's little to go on for minor leaguers. They're just, uh, you get the occasional, occasional observation from the alternate sites. There's not really like any data to cite or anything. So it's, it's, it's mostly they've risen over and dynasty value over the course of this first month based on what happened in spring training. And what happened in spring training for Alec Manoa is he was untouchable. He was untouchable. 15 strikeouts in seven innings, no walks, one hit allowed. I mean, that's amazing. And and the thing is, he was doing it mostly against major leaguers. Uh, baseball reference has an opponent quality stat for spring training. It's, it's, a, it's a one to 10 scale. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see players with seven... Eight's pretty high. Uh, you know, for for a prospect who comes in late in games, you might have like a three or a four for opponent quality. Alec Madoa's opponent quality this spring was nine. <laughs> so uh he was just he he just looked dominant. And I, I don't know. I didn't consider him that big of a deal before this spring. So it certainly seems like he's uh, more of an asset than he was then. Uh the other five prospects who I had as gaining value in dynasty leagues over this first month. I'm going to try to do this once a month. The others were Bobby Witt. No surprise there. Uh, Jaron Duran of the Red Sox who showed power for the first time this spring and it looked pretty legit. Always had good batting average ability and, and speed. Um, I had Jazz Chisholm in there because I needed a fifth and he still technically qualifies as a prospect six at bat short of losing that status. And I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. It was Dalton. Did you mention Dalton Jeffries? It was Dalton Jeffries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if it, in a fair world, Dalton Jeffries would already be in the athletic situation because he was their best pitcher this spring. And um, 
You look at his minor league numbers. That strikeout to walk rate is ridiculous. Ridiculous. He walks nobody. At least he in the minors, he has walked nobody. <laughs> I saw somebody make the look. I I normally don't like when people automatically make a comp to one of the best players in baseball, but someone said based on what their minor league stats look like, them being equal, um, that Dalton Jeffries kind of looks like Shane Bieber based on his minor league track record. No, you I, may have heard me say that, Frank. I'm it might have been sure you. I right? said that at some point. It might it might have been you. I thought I read it somewhere on Twitter. It might have been your Twitter. I don't I don't know, but I saw it somewhere. And, and the minor league, yeah, maybe not. The minor league profiles are apparently very similar between Jeffries and Bieber. Yeah. Look, he's not going to turn into Bieber. I would... Odds are against that. Odds and, are and against you know, that I, happening. People people take offense to those kind of pie-in-the-sky comps, um, which I guess I get, but like I, I feel like that's understood, right? Not every, not every prospect is going to become Shane Bieber. Almost no prospects will become Shane Bieber. But... Shane Bieber showed similar strengths and look what he ended up being. So, yes. you know, most likely outcome for Jeffries as for any pitching prospect is maybe they get a rotation spot for a couple years before fizzling out. That's, that's the default expectation. But I think the upside case for Jeffries is higher than his prospect ranking would have you believe. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And the reason why I said it, it annoyed me, Scott, the, always play, making player comps like the best players in the league is I was watching the NFL draft and they're every single player is just compared to, you know, one of the best in the NFL. And it was, Oh, Travis Etienne. This guy reminds me of Alvin Kamara. Like, okay, what, what are the chances of that actually happening? This is a baseball podcast, yeah. but that's, that, that's what got the early rise out of me. So that's, that's why I, I said that. So uh, you can find the rest of Scott's dynasty risers and followers, of course, on the website. Where do we want to go from here? Promote one more thing. The NFL Draft has arrived, and the Pick 6 Podcast is your audio outlet for immediate reactions for picks from Trevor Lawrence to Mr. Irrelevant. Want to know how your team fared? Each night of the draft, the Pick 6 crew will analyze all selections, dishing out winners and losers and team-by-team grades. Follow the Pick 6 Podcast wherever you find this one. That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to talk about a few other former and current hitter prospects that are showing up recently. Scott, you mentioned Austin Riley. He's one of your sleeper hitters for next week. We talked about him a ton on yesterday's podcast, but he went two for three on Thursday with a walk. He is now betting 301 with an 868 OPS. He's 55% rostered. Nico Horner picked up two more hits himself. He's now nine for 25 since being recalled by the Cubs. 38% rostered. And don't look now, but Andrew Vaughn went three for three on Thursday with two doubles and two runs scored. He is now batting, wait for it, 279. Kind of looks respectable. He hasn't hit a home run yet. Uh, he's hitting way too many ground balls. But chances are, if you held, in deeper leagues, you probably held on to this guy. He's 63% rostered on CBS. So he's still on someone's team. Um, there are signs that he is turning it around. So I thought I would give him a shout out. Yeah. Uh, best game of his career so far, right? First three hit game. I, maybe the first game with two extra base hits. Uh, and here is LaRusso's quote after the game. He's showing his teammates, coaching staff, that he's a contributor. He's really a very heady, stable kind of guy. Early on when he was like 0 for 10, he was just pressing for a hit. Can't force hits. Makes it a very deep lineup, doesn't it? I don't know. 
Maybe that sounds like he's about ready to play him more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. But I think Vaughn will be good someday. And I think it will be sooner than later. I would agree with that. Let's talk about a few other deep waiver names. Brett Phillips, outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. He went one for two with two steals. If you are in the deepest of leagues and you need some speed, he has started three straight games. Josh Rojas, all of a sudden, I wrote eight for 22. I think he got another hit after that. So we'll go with nine for 20, his last 23, Josh Rojas, with two homers, one steal. He was crushing it in the spring, got off to a slow start, but he's available. He's only 20, 12% rostered on CBS. So in deeper leagues, if you need a middle infielder, some, some pop and some speeds from Josh Rojas. Um, Martin Perez was at the Texas Rangers, five and two thirds, two runs, seven strikeouts to zero walks. Eric Lauer, remember the name, versus the Dodgers, five shutout with three strikeouts. He is only 1% rostered on CBS. And the last name I wanted to mention, Luis Garcia versus the Seattle Mariners, five innings of one run ball, six strikeouts. And Garcia has been good this year. 2.70 ERA, 1.05 whip, 20 strikeouts and 20 innings pitched. So, Scott, anything you would like to add to these names? Brett Phillips, Josh Rojas, Luis Garcia, Martin Perez, Eric Lauer. I think Luis Garcia should not be featured this late in the program. I think I <laughs> I could have picked him as, oh my goodness gracious, I think, because he just keeps doing this. He had 14 swinging strikes in this one. Basically, his three longest outings of the season, four plus innings, 14 swinging strikes in all of them. He, he just keeps doing this. And you look at his... Minor league numbers from the last minor league season, 2019, Luis Garcia had a 298 ERA, a 1.07 whip, 13.9 K per nine, 168 strikeouts and 180, 108 and two thirds innings. Maybe the most impressive thing to me, especially given his level of experience, the fact that he's wasn't like a hype prospect or anything, is just how full his arsenal is for those 14 swinging strikes, four came on the fastball, four on the changeup, three on the cutter, three on the slider. You know, usually there's one pitch that does the heavy lifting with that, that whiff stat. And I, I, the same was true in his last start, how evenly distributed they are with those pitches. Like it seems like he has a lot going for him, including Jake Odorizzi being out with a strained forearm. That sounds like a long-term absence. Uh, we do hear reports of Framber Valdez possibly returning in the next two to three weeks. So keep that in mind. But for now, Luis Garcia has a chance to make some hay. And I think I, I think he needs to be picked up. I think he does. Uh, behind all those other names we mentioned, McClanahan, Alzali, even Dylan Cease, I would put Garcia behind. But the 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 roster ship is basically non-existent now, and it so needs to go up quite a bit from there. Luis Garcia rostered in just nine percent of CBS leagues. Plus, he has SPARP eligibility. So for those who play in points leagues, that's a nice little cheat code there for you with Luis Garcia. Scott, this weekend there's a there's something very important that's happening on Saturday. Do you know what it is? Hmm. No. It's gonna be May. <laughs> It's going to be May. 
It's May 1st. Ah, <laughs> yes. May. Anytime you have an opportunity to play an in-sync uh, soundbite, you just you got to do it, obviously. So I did yeah. want to take a look at a few statistical standouts as May approaches. And who had your mean Mercedes leading baseball with a 423 batting average by the end of April, which... As baseball, right? Which we talk we talked about last night. Nate Lowe and Jesus Aguilar are each tied for the league lead in with twenty two RBI. So the American League, the National League, there you go. Your two leaders, Nate Lowe and Jesus Aguilar. Eugenio Suarez currently has the lowest batting average among qualified hitters. He is batting one twenty five. Scott, uh, should we bench Eugenio Suarez for now, Scott? He seems like one of these guys where once he gets hot, he can hit four home runs in a week and you don't yeah, obviously don't want to miss that but he is actively hurting people right now yeah yeah I, I think it's the difference between roto and and points roto i mean obviously you're not banking losses along the way mm-hmm. and you have a bigger lineup to work with so there's fewer alternatives to begin with yeah i i think i think if i had a hot hand play i could go within a head-to-head league with a smaller lineup i'd yeah, particularly since the Reds have the worst matchups this week. I think that makes it an easier call. There is a four-way tie for the home run lead at this point. Ronald Acuna, Ryan McMahon, Reese Hoskins, and Byron Buxton each have eight. Shout out to Ryan McMahon. He's been awesome this year, and he's hitting more fly balls. And if he keeps that up, saw Chris talking to someone on Twitter about this today or yesterday. If he was breaking out, Ryan McMahon, this is what it would look like. He's making more contact. He's hitting more fly balls. And he looks great. So I, I really like what I've seen from Ryan McMahon. Ramon Laureano and Whit Merrifield each have eight steals. That leads baseball. Ronald Acuna has 24 runs scored and is tied with whom? Mark Canna. 24 runs scored to this point, leading off for the Oakland A's. They've been one of the best lineups, one of the hottest teams in baseball. He's a high OBP guy. So uh, actually, someone emailed in today, Scott, and they said, do you know what my... My recipe for success is, or I forgot how he phrased it, but he said, I draft every uh, everyone who Scott White likes the year later. <laughs> so he's like, I drafted Marcana this year. He's like, I, I drafted Vladimir Guerrero because he's, he said, I, I think you liked Vlad two years ago when he was a rookie or something. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I just draft guys a couple of uh, like the year or a couple of years later and after Scott likes him and it works out. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, Kenta Maeda. Has a 6.56 ERA and a 1.76 whip. Both of those are highest among qualified starting pitchers. Danny Duffy leads qualified starting pitchers with a 0.39 ERA. Move over, Jacob deGrom. Danny Duffy's coming for you. I, I would imagine Carlos Rodon passed him today. He, I mentioned, I think Rodon has a 0.72 ERA after today. He does, yep. Danny yeah, Duffy's so, still so at Duffy's is half that. 0.39 for Danny Duffy. There you go. Yeah. Corbin Burns leads baseball with a 0.55 whip. Jacob DeGrom has 59 strikeouts. And the leader in saves, Mark Melanson has eight saves for the San Diego Padres. A few other standouts from Wednesday that we haven't mentioned to this point. It wasn't really a standout, but Jordan Montgomery's just kind of been meh. Five innings pitch, two earned runs. Seven swinging strikes against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Scott, would you drop Jordan Montgomery for some of the names we spoke about earlier? I think so. Because I, I I, think... I, yeah, he might just be a Met pitcher. It was last year. He's been that this year. 
I, it's not like there's any un, there's it's not like there's some underlying number that says well actually look what's about to happen so i'd even drop him for cease i okay. might drop him for garcia i might not okay but so, i think I, I think i'd drop him for cease all right so that means you definitely would drop him for mcclanahan alzali kikuchi kyle gibson if they're available so if you have jordan montgomery on your yeah. team that's a move that you can make. Trey Mancini, uh, Trey, Trey Mancini went three for four with his fifth home run. He has 10 hits over his last seven games, showing signs of life there. Still had a 57% ground ball rate entering Thursday, which is not great. Uh, Matt Chapman went two for four with his fourth home run, back-to-back multi-hit games. Some signs of life there. Chris Bassett, we were talking about him before the podcast, Scott. At the Tampa Bay Rays, six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts. All of a sudden, he has three straight quality starts. 25 strikeouts over 18 innings pitched during that span. Where is this coming from? Or has it just been the matchups? They've been really good matchups. They have been good matchups. Uh, I will I will point out, though, the progression of the swinging strike total. Start by start for Bassett. 6, 8, 8, 16, 14, 15. I mean, it's like a different pitcher there. And I think his three best swinging strike starts last year were his last three also. I happened to go back and look. Those were also very favorable matchups for Chris Bassett, his last three starts last year. Maybe that explains it. I, I don't see a clear explanation otherwise, but I am not such a such a slave to the matchups that I think you don't you don't see somebody turn on a dime like this, not in baseball, based on okay, I'm facing a good opponent versus a bad opponent. Like, there's there's some crossover effect. Like, you know, maybe on the whole, his matchups against the bad teams will be a little bit better than his matchups against the good teams. But you don't see, like, a night and day difference like this. Not over a stretch of starts, especially. So, I don't know. I don't know, but... A little more open to the the possibility that Chris Bassett is actually good. Especially when he's looked as good as he has over the past three starts. It's kind of like, I, I was just imagining a triple beam balance, Scott, where it's some of it is the matchup, some of it is, you know, he's probably, even though we can't see it in the pitch mix or anything, he's probably doing something differently that's working for him. So uh, take both of those things into account. And Chris Bassett, has looked pretty good over his past three starts. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. Speaking of those Oakland A's, Lou Trevino was used in the ninth. He picked up his fourth save of the season. He now has the last two saves for Oakland. He is 61% rostered on CBS. For the Mariners, Kendall Graveman was used in the ninth, picked up his third save. Rafael Montero was used in the eighth inning on Wednesday night. He gave up four runs against the Houston Astros. Is... Kendall Graveman, the guy right now, Scott, for the Mariners? He's well, 40% rostered. I thought he had all the momentum over a week ago, right? Uh, after Montero blew his third save, and then they still went back to Montero. Okay, I guess they really want Montero in that role. But now Montero's up to four blown saves already. And Montero has twice as many blown saves as Graveman has allowed hits this season. So... Wow. It's 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 real. It's getting really hard to justify not just turning it over to Graveman. That is not my decision to make, <laughs> and so I don't. But I, I have to think like all the momentum is there now. 
I'm just reluctant to drop Montero again in those like deep leagues where saves, you know, everybody's throwing a ton of fab dollars at every new saves option that emerged because somebody did that in the 15 team Tower Wars league and it looked like a mistake just a few days later. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't actually, but uh, we need to see more. The man who replaced Rafael Montero for the Texas Rangers as their closer is Ian Kennedy. He picked up his fifth save on Thursday. Cesar Valdez, as soon as we talk him up a couple of days ago, he picks up his second blown save of the season. Gave up two hits and a two walks and a hit in a one-run game against the Yankees. For the Cardinals, Alex Reyes pitched the ninth and the tenth in a tie game. He did not allow a hit and he racked up three strikeouts. He picked up the win there. For the White Sox, Liam Hendricks pick, picked up his fifth save. Josh Hader got his sixth save of the season for the Brewers. To stream or not to stream, we'll hit Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Scott, choose three of these for Friday. JT Brubaker versus the Cardinals. John Gant at the Pirates. Robbie Ray versus the Braves. Brady Singer at the Twins. John Gray at the Diamondbacks. Mad Bum versus the Colorado Rockies. And Andrew Heaney at the Mariners. Okay, I'm going to say Heaney. Um, it's tough because there's good pitchers with... Okay pitchers with tough matchups. I'm going to say Heaney at Seattle, Brady Singer at Minnesota, and I'm going to say Mad Bum versus Colorado. Really rolling the dice on that one, but that's what happens when you stream pitchers. Yeah, I think Chris... Last night took John Gant over Brady Singer solely because of the matchup. So, yeah, well, not that John Gant is any good. Uh, streamers for Saturday: Matt Shoemaker versus the Royals, Griffin Canning at Seattle, Anthony DiScafani at the Padres, Austin Gomber. I just I had to throw the name in because it's hilarious. At the Diamondbacks, Matt Harvey at the Oakland A's, and Spencer Turnbull at the Yankees. This is a real who's who of starting pitchers. Yeah, this is. And I thought that last group was bad. <laughs> I, I don't know that I won't pick Gomber, to be honest. Like, I don't think he's good, but... Oof. Uh, I, I think Desclafani at San Diego. Like, I don't yeah. know. Seems kind of suicidal, but you're making me pick, Frank. Desclafani <laughs> at San Diego. Uh, I think Canning at the Mariners. I've just lost a lot of faith in Canning, but okay, fine. Yeah. It's a bad group, man. Um, Basically, don't stream pitchers on Saturday if you can avoid it. Yeah, it's a bad idea. It's a, yeah, it's if a bad you're making group. me pick a third, I'm going to pick Gomber just for the lulls. Do not, do not start Austin Gomber, even though Scott <laughs> just don't. <laughs> please don't do it. Um, Sunday streamers, Trevor Williams at the Reds, Garrett Richards at the Rangers, Brad Keller at the Twins, Adam Wainwright at the Pirates, Jose Urania at the Yankees, and David Peterson at the Phillies. Wainwright at the Pirates. I feel pretty good about that. Um, yeah, I don't feel good about any of the others. Garrett Richards at Texas, I think I'd pick here, coming off that 15 with 10 strikeout game against the Mets. Uh, he had made some mechanical adjustments prior to that that, that caught my attention. And uh, I actually picked him up in a 12-team league just to, just to stash him for now. That's a good matchup. Garrett Richards at Texas. And uh, my third choice would be... Probably Trevor Williams at Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know. That's question mark. Yeah, that's a bad one. I'm Ron Burgundy. Wrap up with some emails here. This one's from Brett in Jersey. Dear Devante, 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 and Devante. 
mm. relevant with the NFL draft. Devontae Smith drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. Ten teams. Those are four different spellings, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's If you are a fantasy football writer or an NFL writer, that is one of the... One of the trickier ones that you you need to be on your toes for. 10-team, 5-player, keeper, weekly, points league. Mouthful. Pitchers are really valuable. I have Corbin Burns, Glasnow, Erod, Gore. All right, blah, blah, blah. You have a lot. Guy wants Carlos Carrasco and Mitch Hanniger for Kyle Tucker. Hmm. Would you give up your Carrasco and Hanniger for Kyle Tucker in a 5-player, keeper, points league? In a points league, if I'm being honest, I don't think you're probably going to end up keeping Tucker, especially with all these pitchers you're going to end up having to keep. He has Trevor Rogers in there, Luis Castillo. I think I'd stick with the pitching depth. Maybe maybe I'm a nut. Maybe I'm a pitching nut. But I, I got to be more, I got to be impressed more than that. You've heard of the pitching ninja. We have the pitching nut here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If, if it was not a points league. I would do it. If it was a categories league for Tucker, Carrasco, and Hanniger, okay. But points leagues, like, I just assign so little value to hitters in a points league right now. <laughs> Scott, close your eyes. Okay. Okay, I got to read the next one, and I don't want you to see the answer because it's right here. From Kyle, hey, Pablo, Pete, and Keisha. Um, you had to play it, Scott. You had to play it. Is that backyard baseball? That is backyard baseball. Pablo Sanchez, Pete Wheeler, and Keisha Phillips. Thanks to you guys, I find myself in first place in my 14-team Roto Salary Cap League, led by podcast favorites Byron Buxton, Sandy Alcantara, Corey Seager, and others. I am top three in every category except steals. All right, Scott, start thinking of some buy-low steals candidates while I read the rest of this question. Who are some good buy-low steals players in Roto that won't torpedo my all my other statistical categories and could realistically carry me rest of year. Actually, one that comes to mind is Kyle Tucker. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And Nick Senzel, uh, who I spoke about on yesterday's podcast. I think he's a great buy low right now. Uh, my mind went to Jazz Chisholm because he's hurt. <laughs> it might not be possible. Uh, How about a buy high? Colton Wong. Because I think you could get him for cheaper than what people value him as right now. And... I moved them ahead of Keston Hira, Scott. I'm all in. I, I love what I've seen from Colton Wong. Wow. I moved Keston Hira way down, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going that far with <laughs> with Wong yet. I like him. Uh I'm looking, I, let's I see. Know. I'm in outfield. Ba, ba, ba. I mean I, I I'm just thinking of the most obvious answers, maybe, but is now a good time to buy an Adalberto Mondesi? because we haven't really heard any clear timetable for him or his return is getting closer and he will make a huge, huge impact in steals when he does return, presumably. Yeah, I mean, he's probably answer number one. How about Francisco Lindor? Not that he's going to carry you, but can he steal 12 to 15 rest of season? Probably. You can, there's never going to be a better time to try and acquire him. So we'll throw Francisco Lindor in that mix. We'll answer a few more here. This one's from a different Kyle. Hey guys, I'm in a 12-team head-to-head categories with OBP instead of average. Five-keeper league. Should I be patient with Jonathan India or drop him for either Colton Wong or Nixon Zell? Both are on waivers. I would drop him for either. Yeah. Um, who do I want more in a 12-team? With OBP, I'll go with Colton Wong. He's, he's a good OBP guy. 
Wasn't Senzel too? Uh, I think I'd go Wong also. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I need to see more from Senzel and not totally trusting in the playing time with, with uh, Tyler Naquin hanging around. From our buddy, Shine Dog. 10 team head to head points league with deep rosters. I gave three years of. Oh, it's also a keeper league. I gave three years Wander Franco, one year Matthew Boyd. I received one year of Trent Grisham. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, it's a 10-team league. Trying to consolidate your talent. You give up best prospect in baseball for the next three years. I mean, you're probably close to winning and you're desperate for an outfielder. Probably could have got someone better than Trent Grisham in a points league. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. I I don't hate it, but I don't think I would have done it. So I'll give it a yeah. C minus. Using Wander Franco for a Trent Grisham rental, especially in a shallow league, I think. Yeah. Seems like a bad move. Using Franco, no, you probably... No, I say especially in a shallow league. It'd be even worse in a deep league, I guess. But it, I don't think it's good either way. Yeah, I agree. This last one's from Dwayne in a 10-team... Category league, I give up Julio Arias and Nelson Cruz. In return, I get Lucas Giolito, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Matt Chapman. Grade the trade. Yeah, you get the best player in Giolito. I will give it a B. A B? B plus. B plus. B plus for Dwayne. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.